What is up everyone and welcome to episode 331 of Combo's Court and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune in to Combo's Court. Today's show we talk Thunder basketball with Alex Spears. You can catch Alex on the Down to Dunk pod and the Athletics Saturday Slam and Jam. A fantastic conversation with Alex. We discuss Josh Giddy's potential, is SGA a future superstar, and more Thunder basketball. You can find Alex on Twitter at Al Baisley Cakes. That's A L B A Z L E Y C A K E S. You know you can find me on Instagram at one two combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Alex Spears of The Athletic, Down to Dunk Podcast. Welcome to Combo's Court. What's new in Thunderland, man? What is new in Thunderland? Well, uh, you know, the la- the latest panic in Thunderland is that we're winning too many games, that we're too Uh-oh. good, that we're going to uh, slowly move back in the reverse standings because the news came out this week that the Trailblazers might sit Dame, so all of a sudden they're like a new competitor in the tanking world. And so uh, that's what that's that's about what people are freaking out about the, right now. The tanking world is an interesting place. Where who we got the Magic, Houston, the OKC, Pistons. Pistons. I so Blazers are trying to get in the mix, huh? And and the Pacers. I mean, who knows what the Pacers are doing? They're kind of flirting with it. Yeah, they want to trade either. They want to trade one of their bigs, right? I think that's what I've that, heard. That's what they say. I mean, I don't believe that they're actually going to tank. But if they traded one of those guys, like maybe they'd be worse. I don't know, though. I think they got the wrong coach to tank. Like he's not around to tank. Yeah, there's there's no way he signed up to be on the tanking team. No way. And I'm sorry about bringing attention to this, but I have to not because of what happened, but because of the media attention around it. It is an embarrassing loss, 73 points, right? It's really embarrassing. But do you feel do you feel like the media attention around it was unfair? Um, for that game, I would say no. I would okay. say if you lose by 73 points, you can say whatever you want about it. I, mean, I don't know. I can't imagine how that feels for the players, by the way. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. And, and the thing that really bothered me about that particular game. So, of course, like our excuses, you know, Shea was out, Giddy was out. Those are our two main ball handlers. And so you take them out of the game and it was just a struggle for us to do anything. But in that fourth quarter, they still got outscored like 25 to five. They only scored five points in the fourth quarter, at which point I just say, yes, you can say whatever you want about us for, you know, 48 hours. I'm not going to be mad at you because that that was an embarrassing loss and I'm not going to even try to defend it. It was just, I mean, it's the worst in history. So what what are you going to do? It is embarrassing. It's pretty bad. 73 points. That's a lot of points. How does that happen? It, it was kind of insane. Uh, they had ze- like they played no defense. I, th- I think okay. there was a point where the Grizzlies, I mean, I'm sure it was true at the end of the game, but they had more points in the paint than OKC just had points. And that's been one of the themes of this year for the Thunder is that 
we do not have any type of rim protector on the team. You know, like last year, it was still terrible, but we did have Moses Brown, who, you know, not a great player or anything, but he actually was a rim defender. And now our best rim defender is probably Darius Baisley, who has not been great this year, and he's coming off the bench now. He's pretty good at shot blocking, but he's not like a traditional big in that sense. Yeah, I guess a really good rim protector kind of raises your floor, though, and it causes you to win games, not really the goal, right? Absolutely. And But if you look at this upcoming draft, like you put someone like Chet Holmgren on this team, and like it completely makes sense, and it would probably transform this team. Or if in this last draft, if we have gotten a player like Evan Mobley, obviously that changes everything. Because we haven't gotten one of those big-time floor raisers yet, we're still kind of in this morass of like, are we tanking, are we not? I'm really high on Chet, actually. I think he should go number one. I know there's a lot of people that would argue that as of right now. But what if Poku took a leap and then you got him and Chet together? Wow, what a lineup that would be with those two. You know, it's <laughs> it's fun to think about, but I swear, like, these last couple games, I've been getting, like, more and more depressed about Poku because it almost Uh-oh. feels like we've we've reverted to the beginning of last year where it was like, is this guy, can this guy even be on an NBA court? Like it's really, there's really been some bad moments in these last couple games. And of course he's, he's still like the 12th youngest player in the league. So I'm not going to get like that freaked out, but you just were hoping in his second season that he'd make some growth somewhere. Like maybe he'll start hitting 32% of his threes. Wouldn't that be nice? Like nothing crazy, but we just haven't really seen that kind of development with him yet. Speaking of development, I guess this season and the past few seasons have all been about like, who are we going to move forward with? Right. So, so, so outside of SGA, outside of Josh, obviously I think you guys want to go forward with those two guys, right? Um, Who else would you think that could be a part of a winning team? So this, I mean, this is definitely like the big conversation among Thunder fans, because if you go back to last year, the way we were talking about guys like Teo, the way we were talking about guys like Bays, like, we thought yeah. that they were actual, they were going to be building blocks. Fast forward six months, most of the Thunder fan base is kind of out on those guys, you, you know, or at least like Bays got moved from the starting lineup to the bench now. And Teo has just been terrible. I mean, there's no other way to say it. He's shooting like 17% from three. They're trying to move him into more an off ball position and it just hasn't worked at all. So I say all that to say that like the guys I'm high on now, Like, I'm fully aware that in six months, like, it could look totally different because we're going to have another three or four draft picks coming in, and who knows how those guys will fit in. But for right now, I would say the big three are Shea, Giddy, and Dort. I still feel really good about Dort, even though Dort, he, he has expanded his offensive game in some ways, but he's still, like, not a good shooter. He is still not efficient. Some of the flashes we saw at the beginning of the season where he was suddenly finishing at the rim, that has regressed as well. But what he brings on the defensive side, I still feel pretty confident about that. We saw that in like a big time setting in the playoffs against James Harden. So I still believe in Dort in that way. Beyond those guys, Trey Mann is probably the guy I'm most excited about just because his on-ball creation skills, yes. have like there's a, there's a high ceiling there compared to some of the other guys on the team. So he might not get there, but just some of the separation that he can get on plays on some of these step backs gets me really excited about him. And then after him, it would be Jerry, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Mm -hmm. who's kind of like a small ball five. I I think he's more going to be like a backup big in the future, even though he's been playing a lot of starting center for us right now. And then Aaron Wiggins, who kind of like came out of nowhere, 
55th pick in the draft. And he came in and he's already like, if you look at some of the advanced stats, he's putting up some of the same like on off numbers that Kenrich Williams is. He's like our big, like plus minus guy on the team. And so Aaron Wiggins, like, I, I don't think he has like a massive ceiling or anything, but I do, I have started to believe in him as kind of like that Kenrich do it all guy who can play defense. He can make some, you know, corner threes. He can score when you need him to. He's a good cutter. So those are like the top six guys that I, I'm kind of believing in right now. Where would you land on Josh Giddy's potential or ceiling? It's tough because he's going to need to make a dramatic jump in either his scoring or in his shooting. Um, there was a somebody asked me today, like, how many rookies have averaged six assists per game and seven rebounds per game? And it's Oscar Robertson, Magic Johnson, Ben Simmons, and Josh Giddy. So, like, on the one hand, he's doing things that not a lot of rookies come into the league and do right off the bat. Like his passing is elite yes. and he's been better defensively than I thought. Like he's still not, he's not a good defender, but he's trying, which is more than you can sometimes say about Shea, for instance, like how's he Shea off the ball. Is, I mean, I know on the ball isn't too great. So how is he like off the ball and in help defense? Not great, but okay. it's just like compared to where I thought he was going to be. Okay. Um, I, I'm a little bit encouraged there and he's bigger. And so I think that as he, he gets big. stronger, I think he's going to hold up a little bit better on the defensive end. And that goes for the offense too, because he doesn't have a good handle. He's not super quick. He's not fast, but he can sometimes get to the basket. And I think once he gets stronger and actually plays through contact, he's going to be pretty good at finishing around the rim. The shot, he's even admitted, like, I need to rework my shot, but that's not something I'm going to do during the season. I'm going to wait till after the season. He's been hitting some threes recently, like in the past week, but his shot just looks weird to me. It's like this kind of weird push shot where his legs are going different ways. And so something's going to need to change on the offensive end in terms of either him getting the basket and scoring. He, he's shown some ability to like pull up in the mid range, but these are all like very tiny flashes. And so I would need to see a lot more there to feel like, oh, he has like all-star potential. Like right now, it, it kind of feels like, he, he got compared to Joe Ingles. He, he got compared to like a tall Ricky Rubio coming into the draft. And yeah. I actually think that like the tall Ricky Rubio isn't a bad one, even though Rubio, I think, is a much better defender than, than Josh is coming into the league. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that level of player feels like a good floor for him. Um, and I will say that I'm happy that he's so willing to do these things on the offensive end because we've had players in the past in Oklahoma city who just like aren't willing to shoot or aren't willing to drive or do something like that. He definitely has that like alpha gene, like he's trying to go out there and score. He just like, can't do it consistently yet, which is fine. He's super young. He has all these other skills that are great, but that's going to be like the, the tipping point for him in terms of his ceiling. Yeah. In my opinion, and as it's looking, you know, Scotty Barnes or Evan Mobley will probably win rookie of the year. Are there Thunder fans pushing for a Josh Giddy rookie of the year run? No. In, <laughs> in fact, the, the conversation over the past week, because uh, I was actually back in Oklahoma City and got to see the game where he had the triple double, you know, youngest triple double in NBA history. Yes, yes. And that was a very fun game, even though we lost because Shea wasn't in the lineup. So Giddy kind of just got to run the offense all night. And I do think there's no Thunder fans who are clamoring, clamoring for him to be rookie of the year, but there are Thunder fans wondering what would this look like? Like, what would we think of Giddy if Shea wasn't there? Not saying we don't want Shea, but like if he really was allowed to run this offense, would we think of him a lot differently than we already do? And we're already high on him, but
but you see in some of these games where he gets to have the ball for extended stretches and it's it's just a lot of fun to watch like he runs a fun offense yeah I mean that's interesting because his shooting is not great yet right especially off the ball no so no, he, I, I mean, mean yeah like so with SGA he doesn't really seem like the perfect fit right He's not, and especially this year because Shea isn't shooting it well. Now, Shea's oh, okay. still shooting well on catch and shoot. He's shooting over 40%, but he's shooting under 30% overall, and it's because he's taking all of these like super hard step-back threes. He's not playing off ball that much. And so I would love in the second half of the season if they did try to develop Shea's off-ball game a little bit more, which we saw two years ago when he played with Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder. I would love to see that more in the second half of the season and let Giddy run the offense a little bit more because he's kicking out to all these shooters who just can't shoot. Like we, I, I was looking it up today yeah. in the, in the past two decades, there are only three teams that have shot worse from three than the thunder right now. Like it's really bad. There's so he's getting all these potential assists. And I think if you could weaponize Shea in that way off ball a little bit more than they have, it would make it a lot easier for Giddy. Um, but they just haven't really done that yet. Is SGA a future superstar? I mean, we see players like Trey and Ja really emerging, and they've done it on winning teams. Atlanta is not doing as well right now as everybody right, thought yeah. they would. Memphis is really playing well. I mean, they're looking like a legit, legit playoff team. But do you think SGA will be in that mix of players and on that level of, like, you know, a Trey Young and a Ja Morant? I think he definitely could get there, and I appreciate – how much time and effort he's putting in trying to get a step back three going. Like okay. it has not worked thus far, but this is the year to try it because if he did have that shot, he would basically be unstoppable on offensively because he's so good at driving. I mean, he's led the league in drives two years in a row. Now he's so crafty around the rim, makes so many athletic layups. That's like the final piece. If he had that step back three and it was consistent, then I feel like you could talk about making that jump into like, you know, superstardom. But until he gets that, I just think it's going to be tough for him. You know what I noticed about his athleticism, what he's elite at? Deceleration. It's what Luca has. It's what Harden has. It's what Kyrie yeah. has. He could get in the lane and really slow down. Yeah, for sure. And he's, and another part of his game that's gotten better this year, because I mentioned his shooting has kind of tailed off, but I think his playmaking is a lot better this year than it was last year. Um, which is really nice, a nice little combo with him and Giddy. Like you always have what I feel like is a either a high level or elite level playmaker on the court. Um, it's just that the other guys, we just don't have like that many good shooters right now. We desperately need a shooter. And is he, he's in no mix for the all-star team just because of the team he's on, right? That, and, yeah, we talked about this on Down to Dunk last week because a lot of Thunder fans obviously tweeting about Shea to get him to the all-star game. Right. But if you look at the guards in the West, like there's no shot, like there's just no shot. He's not making it over Chris Paul, Steph Booker, like John Morant. He's not making yeah. it over any of those guys. He's not making it over Luca. Like there's just, it would just be so hard. Maybe if someone got injured or got sick, maybe he could be a replacement. I think that's like the best case scenario. When does the team take some of their assets and get into win now mode? Because I feel like, you know, people feel that, there's no expectations for this team and it's kind of unfair that they don't have to win. Right. Do you, right. when do you see them starting to get into win now mode? Is it next year? Is it two years from now? Is it three years from now? Well, this is, this is the problem with the team right now. Like they're, or, or this is what the, the 
conversation has been among Thunder fans. Like, if you're not going to be bad, bad, because like the Pistons are bad, bad, the Magic are bad, bad, those teams are guaranteed to be in the bottom three at the end of the season. Yeah. The Thunder aren't. Like, I could easily see this team ending up like with the six best odds. And at that point, you're just in no man's land and you're just hoping for luck in the lottery. So if you're not going to be terrible, then I have started to change my tune about being more open to making a deal like that a little bit earlier in the timeline. And I don't know who that player would be. Um, it's like where, like, it's like almost where do you start, right? Yeah, because like Sabonis, like take Sabonis, for instance, like he was drafted by the Thunder. We know the Thunder likes him. They obviously didn't use him correctly his rookie season because Russ was still there. They were just basically like posting him up in the corner. It was a really weird use of him. But you could imagine Sabonis on this team with Giddy and Shea. It would look really good. But are you ultimately cap, like in terms of your ceiling, by bringing in Sabonis? You're going to have to give up a lot for him. So I think if they had gotten someone like Mobley in the last draft, then you could start talking about, okay, yeah. why don't we make a move now? Because they, like, they wouldn't have been able to tank with SGA right. and Mobley. They wouldn't have been able to tank. Exactly. And so maybe that that'll be the case in this draft. Like maybe we do get someone like Chet. They come into next year. All of a sudden he's the missing piece we need in terms of rim protection. And this, the team's just too good to tank at that point. And maybe that's when they decide to make the move. Whereas if they brought in, like I could even see if they brought in like Paolo Bencaro or even Jabari Smith, where the team is still not good for another year. And then the following year is when they make that, that kind of big trade. So who's that rookie that Thunder fans really want on their team? Is there a consensus guy? Because we do have Chet, we do have Jabari, we do have Paulo, and we cover the draft pretty closely. So who's the guy that you would say the consensus of OKC Thunder fans want on their team? Yeah, I, I don't think there is a consensus. I'm with you. Like, I, I want Chet because I want those guys that look like they could break the game of basketball. Like, yeah, he, he, highest potential, he's, highest ceiling, yeah. Yeah, and he's playing on a team in Gonzaga where, like, I think his offensive game is purposely being limited because yep. he's playing with Drew Timmy. And so everyone's freaking out, well, at least among Thunder fans, like, oh, he just doesn't look that good offensively or, or what is he really going to be? It's like he's going to be so good defensively. Everyone's freaking out about his weight right now, which I just don't care about because I think he uses his body really well. Yeah. And so that's the player who I think just slots right in, and there's still a ton of upside there. I think Jabari Smith would be the next one just because he offers that elite level shooting potentially that the Thunder desperately need. Plus he's a good defender. He would slot into that starting power for a role where we have a ton of minutes right now because Darius Baisley got, you know, demoted to the bench Poku's starting right now. So he would slot in easily. And then Paolo, I mean, I like Paolo, but he's probably my third choice out of those three guys. I think Chet is going to take a leap athletically, too, once he gets some strength on his frame. I don't know. I have a feeling. And he's not a bad athlete now, like the way he blocks shots, the way he runs right. the floor. He's nimble on his feet. But I just feel when he gets that strength, we're going to see a real leap athletically. And he's aggressive. He's tough. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, I love his attitude. Like, I really like everything about him. And I think he would fit the Thunder culture because this year, like, they're 13th in defense right now with kind of this makeshift roster night to night. And that's kind of been their identity the last couple seasons. They, they want to start with the defense. And so I think Chet would fit perfectly there in a way that maybe like Paolo wouldn't, even though I think Paolo is really good as well. 
So we had like a great Lance Stevenson moment last night and we're seeing all, <laughs> you know, we're seeing a lot of players getting their chance, whether it's older players who's been in the league or G league players that never had a chance. Has there, has there been any great stories when it comes to that with OKC Thunder? I mean, honestly, the story for us was Aaron Wiggins because okay. he, he was the guy that kind of got minutes because all this okay. stuff was going on with roster turnover. But yeah, like we were talking about, you know, oh, it'd be fun to have Dion Waiters come back, reprise his role for the Thunder. We were trying to think of like older Thunder players to bring back. I like that idea, like that he did it with Mario Chalmers, you know? Yeah, like I always loved Anthony Morrow. He might be too old now to play, Shooter. but I love Morrow. Shooter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He'd probably Great make stuff. it too good. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. We can find you on like a bunch of podcasts, right? You're down to dunk. You're all over the yeah. athletic. Where can we find you? Yeah, so uh, I do the Wednesday show for Down to Dunk. That's kind of like our local Thunder show. And then me and Andrew also do a show on the athletic called Saturday Slam and Jam, where we okay. spin a wheel each week and cover a random team in the league and have a beat writer on. It's very fun. Alex, you're always welcome back on the show. Thanks so much for joining in to talk OKC Thunder basketball and talk soon. All right. Thanks so much for having me on. Anytime. There it is. Another episode of Combos Court. Big shouts to Alex for joining in. We appreciate you. And big thanks to everyone who tunes into Combos Court across the globe. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune into Combos Court. And don't forget to share this episode. Share with a friend. Share it on social media. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. You could share it on your eye. G stories and tag me on Instagram at one two combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Be on the lookout for episode three hundred and thirty-two. Combo out.